morning, everyone. Welcome to church today. Great to see everyone here today. Welcome. For those who are joining us online, welcome also. Um, hope that you can stay with us all the way through uh, to the end today. Um, it's great to be in God's house, great to be in his presence. A number of uh, people who have had to call off at the last minute today, so there's a few empty seats. Um, it's just an encouragement for me to remind you uh, to get booked in. Even if you're on the reserve list, there's generally always some extra room, so please get yourself signed up um, if you want to be with us in person. But we're going to pray. We're just going to welcome God into our uh, gathering today because he is the one we're here to worship. He is the King of Kings. The Lord of Lords, he is the one who's at the center of everything that we do. You know, it's so easy. It's so easy to think about ourselves when we come into church because that's how we're naturally wired. We think about ourselves and the type of week that we've had, our situation, what we're going through just now. But really, it's about shifting our focus away from ourselves, away from the issues and the problems and shifting our focus onto him. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to worship God and uh, Sarah's got a new song that's going to uh, be coming today. It's just a fantastic song. Um, but, we're, you know, it's, a, it's about him. It's about putting the King of Kings and Lord of Lords at the center of everything that we're doing. So let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are here today. Father, we thank you that you live within us. Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit who lives in us and moves in us and draws us closer to yourself. And Lord, we just pray that you would help us to be so tuned in to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Father, we've been thinking a lot about listening to your voice. We've been thinking a lot about prophecy on the Wednesday nights. Father, just how do we hear your voice? Because Father, we know that we need your words in our lives because it's your words that bring the change and, and bring the difference in our lives. Father, it's as you speak into our situations and our circumstances that things change. And so, Father, we, we just ask that you would come and speak into our lives today. Speak into our situations, Father. <clears throat> Father, as we come here to worship you, Lord, we recognize that it's because of what Jesus has done for us. We thank you for his incredible life, sacrificial life, his servant leadership. Father, we thank you for everything that he has done for us. And Lord, we pray that you'd help us to emulate him today and in our lives, not just today as we come to church, but Father, in every aspect of our lives. But Father, we're here to worship you. We're here to worship the King of Kings. And Lord, we'll do that through songs in so many ways. But Father, as we sing, as we praise your name today, Father, we pray that you would inhabit the praises of your people. Because Father, we just long for your presence. And that's why we come to sing, to worship before you today. And so Father, we just pray, move amongst us. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen. Let's praise him. Would you like to stand?
Jesus. In the darkness we were waiting without hope, without light, till from heaven you came running. There was mercy in your eyes to fulfill the law and prophets. To a virgin came the word from a throne of endless glory to a cradle in the dirt. Praise the Father.
Bible says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was, uh, the Word was God, and the Word was with, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and just this whole idea that Jesus was there right at the very beginning when creation was birthed, when everything that we see and appreciate was birthed, He was there speaking the words. God said, "Let there be light." God said, let there be land. God created. And Father, we just thank you that that you had us in mind when you created the earth. Father, before the very foundations of the world, we were in your mind. Father, before we were even conceived, Father, you were in, we were in your mind. And, and Father, it's just, it, it goes beyond anything we can understand to know that that you had already thought of us. You'd already thought of this day, of this moment. Father, of these moments of stillness where we come and worship the all-creator, almighty, all-powerful God. And Father, we just thank you that, that you live in our praise. Father, as we've been singing, Father, just had such, this, such a strong sense of your presence just in, in the words in which we've been singing. And Father, we know that there are many who need a touch in their bodies today. Father, people who can't be with us today, Lord, even those, some who are here, Father, who need a touch in their bodies from you. And, and Father, we just pray, Lord, as we've come and, and worshipped you, Father, you are the creator God. And Father, you can, you can recreate, you can do miraculous things. Nothing is impossible for you. And so, Father, we ask that by your spirit that you would move across this room today and, Father, that you bring healing, Father, to bodies, to minds, to spirits. Father, for those who are feeling a little bit wearied and a little bit jaded today, Father, we pray that you would come and that you would breathe just something of freshness into their lives today. <clears throat> Father, for those who are struggling with physical uh, health issues, Lord, we pray that you come and that you bring healing into bodies today. Lord, that you would just demonstrate your power. That, Father, we know that it's not just about you demonstrating it, your power. It's, it's about, Father, the fact that you love us and that you have compassion on us. And, Father, you see everything that happens in our lives. And, Father, you're interested in every aspect of our lives, every dynamic. And so, Father, we just pray, come and meet us at our point of need today. Father, for those who are carrying concerns and worries today, Lord, your instruction to us is to cast all of our cares upon you because you care for us. And Father, for those who are carrying worries, Lord, I, I just pray that you'd help us to take our worries and our cares and our concerns and to put them, in a sense, into, into a, just into a bundle and to tie that up and to just present it to you. Father, to cast all our cares upon you because you care for us. And so, Father, we just pray we pray that you just come into those situations that we feel and experience even today. Lord, we pray that you just minister peace and grace into every life, into every heart. Lord, just in a moment or two as we turn to your word, Lord, we pray that our spiritual eyes and ears would be open to hear what you want to say to us. Father, that we would be attentive to, to what your word says. Lord, as we read in First Thessalonians chapter 2 today. Father, we just pray that we'd be attentive to, to the words that are written here by Paul. 
this church. And Father, that we would glean something from this as well today. Father, hundreds of years later, we can glean because it's not just the words of a person, but Father, it's your word to us. And so Father, may we be totally open to, to, to all that you want to say uh, into us, into our lives. Father, I just pray. I pray one last thing uh, this morning, Lord, for for some. I, I just pray that you restore, Father, the joy of your salvation. Father, we, I pray for heavy hearts that they'd be filled with joy again. Father, there may be people who are in here in this building in this room today. Father, there may be people online who are watching this service as it goes out live. There may be people who watch it much, much later on uh, where there's just that sense of heaviness, there's just that sense of not being able to see the way ahead, there's just that sense of having lost something of, of the joy that they, they once knew. And Father, I pray that you'd restore joy. Father, that you'd fill hearts with laughter. Father, that there might be joy in your presence. And so, Father, we just ask that you come and minister by your Spirit. In Jesus' name we ask. I'm just kind of shuddering to, to move on from where we're at. Um, I don't know. I just have a, such a strong sense of God's presence uh, in the room today. The Alpha and the Omega. What a powerful song, eh? The one who was there before anything began and who endures throughout eternity, from eternity to eternity. This is the God that we serve. And I don't know about you, I, I think about my life and it's just this microscopic thing and it's not even microscopic, that's too, that's too big a unit to, to, to measure how small our lives are compared to the vastness of God, to the vastness of eternity. And yet God invites us into a relationship with him where we will live together with him for eternity. That, that is just mind-blowing. And one of the things that we read through this uh, first letter of the, uh, Paul to the Thessalonians is the fact that Jesus is coming back again. It's there, it's woven right throughout the whole letter. Um, and it just so happens to coincide with the end of chapters where Paul references something about Jesus coming back again and about us living with him in eternity. We'll think more about that in a couple of weeks' time as we get into First Thessalonians chapter 4. What a powerful, powerful passage. I do uh, need to do some practical things. Uh, the, the whole kind of uh, photograph malarkey for track and trace. Give me a wave. Yeah, give me a wave. Yeah, it is fair. Give me a wave. It's fun when I look back at the pictures and I see people smiling and waving. Um, so, yeah, they get disposed of after 21 days. Um, just a reminder that we'll be praying again on Monday at 9.30 on Zoom. And uh, God's really been answering prayers uh, when, we've been, when we've been coming together. on fr uh, Sorry, Friday night. Wednesday night, um, when we meet together for prayer on Zoom, we had planned to do uh, uh, session five, I think it was, uh, session six, sorry, uh, on uh, how to discern prophecy, if it's a false prophecy, that type of thing. 
Um, but we're going to change that this week. So we're going to just cancel that session and then we'll go on to how to understand a prophecy, what to do with a prophecy. So that'll be in two weeks, uh, not this Wednesday, but the following Wednesday. This Wednesday, we're going to focus on praying for the persecuted church in India. So we showed the video uh, last week. We'll have another video, which we'll show on Wednesday night, and we'll spend some time focusing on praying for our brothers and sisters. I actually was uh, chatting with a friend who stays in Chennai in India, um, and I was just asked, I just asked an open question, how are things going? And she talked about um, how the the pandemic for them is kind of settling down a wee bit, well, certainly where she is. And I says, but what about the other things that are happening? And she she, she, she sent this reply back, which was quite uh, consistent with what we're hearing from Open Doors as well, just about the persecution of minorities. And so we really need to pray for these brothers and sisters. I sent an email out, hopefully you got that. Um, when I send out a mass email, um, I do envisage the church family as I send it out, so I know it's not personalized, but um, please take a, a moment to just reply back. It's always encouraging to hear where you're at. So, yeah, I just want to pray before I, I open up God's word to just pray for some people um, and, and pray for the persecuted church as well, and then we'll turn to First Thessalonians chapter 2. Father, we thank you that you live within us. Father, that your Holy Spirit has been living within people for centuries now. Father, that you choose to come and live in the hearts of people who are surrendered to you. And Father, we pray, help us today to surrender our lives totally to you, that you, by your Spirit, might come and have your way in us and move through us. Lord, may we be able to hear your voice, Father, for, uh, for our own lives, but for our, our families and those who are around about us, the people that we work with. Father, help us to hear your voice. And Father, we pray that you give us the boldness to share what you uh, say to us on behalf of others. Father, we pray for our persecuted uh, brothers and sisters across the world. Lord, we're focusing on India because of the situation there. But Lord, we know that right across our world, there are people who suffer because of their faith. And Lord, we just pray that you would strengthen them, that you give them courage, that you give them resources and the things which they need. And Father, we pray that the church would grow stronger as a result. And Lord, we just pray for us, Lord, churches who are maybe not experiencing that sort of persecution. Father, we pray, help us to remember our brothers and sisters, to pray for them and to support them in whatever way we can. Father, I pray for those who are in the workplace, Lord, who face pressures and, and trials and sometimes maybe temptations as well. Lord, we pray for everyone who's in the workplace, who's part of our church here. Lord, we pray that you would strengthen them. And Father, that you'd give them the, the resources to meet the challenges that they are facing. Lord, for those who are needing work, Lord, we pray that you would just uh, make that work available for them. Because Father, we realize that the, the world of work is such an important place and we spend so much time there. But Father, just strengthen us and help us to be your witnesses in the workplace. And, and, and Lord, Lord, we just pray, um, we, we pray that you'd strengthen us and help us. Father, we, we recognize that each of us have a role. We might not be the leader in our workplace, but we certainly have an influence. And as such, we have the opportunity to lead and to be an influence. And so, Father, help us to think about our own role in the place where you find us and strengthen us. Lord, for those who do have leadership positions in the workplace, Lord, we pray that you would strengthen them and that you would help them. Lord, for all who need something from you today, Father, we pray that we would find it in the person of Jesus, and in his name we ask. Amen. Amen.
Okay, are we doing okay? Yeah, just checking, just checking. Those online, uh, give us a thumbs up or a comment or something. Um, last week, we, we began to think about um, the, the first letter of Paul to the Thessalonians, one of the earliest books to be written in the New Testament. Um, it's interesting that a lot of these books were written uh, before the Gospels, um, and I just find that really in, uh, interesting to know that. So, people were getting on with building church and, and living out church without ever having a New Testament, without ever having the letters of Paul. They came later, but people were already being Christians and living out the teachings of Jesus without ever having had a New Testament. They relied on the Old Testament scriptures. Think about the prophets and kings. They relied on the five books of the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. That's all they had. And there was a time where people had nothing at all. And people still heard the voice of God. People still heard and knew the right things to do. So just something to, to kind of bear in mind as we think about this. We are so blessed to have a Bible and we can read it in umpteen number of English translations. And we are so blessed and privileged to have that. And I'm so excited that we're supporting people who are involved in Bible translation so that there'll be a, a people group at some point in time in the future who will have the, the New Testament at least in their own language. That excites me. They'll be able to hear God speak to them through the Word as we do because we've been part of supporting them. That excites me. Uh, so I don't know about you, it excites me. Are, are you excited about that? <laughs> Good. Um, and last week we thought about uh, what Paul talked about, about a model church. And, and I ventured as far as to say, if we want to be a model church, we need to be model Christians. And that's a challenge. It also says you may not be perfect, but are you being perfected? Okay, you may not be perfect, but are you being perfected? There's a process that God takes us into to perfect us. And we'll talk a wee bit about that in a second, the testing of our faith. But this week in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, I want to think about uh, a model leader, a model leader. And I don't know about you, who do you think of as examples when you think about model leaders? I think about people like Martin Luther King Jr., a model leader. Now, he may not have been perfect. I'm pretty sure he was being perfected. But he was somebody who stood up for what he believed in. I think of people like Billy Graham. You know, there's probably very few people would criticize Billy Graham, such an incredible uh, person, and privileged enough to have heard him uh, a couple of times speaking myself. A model leader. I think about people like Paul Weaver. Paul Weaver was the superintendent of Assemblies of God when I began this journey of ministry in the way that I do just now. In fact, Paul Weaver, I've, I've shared this before, Paul was the man who was responsible for bringing a word from God that answered my only objection, my only objection. And my objection was, I don't know if I've shared this before, I can't lead like those other people. I'm not, a, I'm not like those other people. I'm not a leader like those people. And so I knew the call of God in my life, but I thought, I am not a leader like those people. And Paul Weaver, when he was speaking, he took me way back to the early days when I committed my life to Jesus and said, wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, I'll be there. And he took me right back to that point and took me through my life and brought me to a point where he said, God has said there are going to be some people in here tonight who are going to be leaders in the church who will not lead 
like the others, like the generations before. And I was like, okay, okay, I, I give in, you know. And Paul's still on the go. Um, Paul is such a great guy. He's part of our Assemblies of God uh, team. He's one of the directors. And so I'm blessed that Paul is still part of our lives. And I don't know about you, who are the other people that you would think are model leaders? I'm sure if we had to do a poll, we could list all sorts of people that we think are model leaders. We don't follow leaders because they're perfect Sometimes you follow leaders because of how they deal with their imperfections. And I think that's such an important thing. There is no perfect human being. The only perfect leader and the only perfect human being was Jesus. And he is our model. And even, even Paul, Paul would say to those he was writing to, follow me as I'm following Jesus. Can we say that? Can we say, follow me, look at my life as an example, look at me as a model Christian, as I'm following Jesus, because he is, he is the ultimate role model that we have. And so, as we come to this passage today, I want us to think about four different qualities that we see in a model leader that I read in First Thessalonians chapter 2. And it's a series of words and pictures. Who remembers that kids program, Words and Pictures? Does anybody remember that? Words and pictures. It actually went on for a lot longer than I thought. I thought it was just when I was wee, but I think it continued on in the 90s. Um, when I was 10. No, I'm only joking. But there are four things that I saw when I was reading this passage, four qualities that make a model leader. The first thing is a faithful servant, a gentle mother, an encouraging father, and a loving brother. Different qualities of a leader that we're going to look at. I'm going to read uh, from 1 Thessalonians chapter four, uh, 2. Sorry, jumping on. Apologies. Um, and, and I just want to spend a little bit of time thinking about these different uh, roles. Let's read uh, from verse 1, if you've got your Bibles ready. You know, brothers, that our visit to you was not a failure. We had previously suffered and been insulted in Philippi, as you know, but with the help of our God, we dared to tell you this gospel in spite of strong opposition. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as men approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please men, but God who tests our hearts. You know how we never used flattery, nor did we put on a mask. Oh, okay. To cover up, oh, a different kind of mask, okay. To cover up greed, okay, so let's, let's uh, move on from that. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from men, not from you or anyone else. And in this passage, the part of this passage, I see uh, the faithful servant and a series of words and pictures. How are words used by Paul? It says that they're coming from a pure motivation. There's nothing wrong in Paul's heart with his motivation for speaking. He's talking about speaking as men who are approved. And when it says approved, what it's meaning is tested, as in proved. They say that the proof of the pudding is in the eating. There's different ways of saying that, I think. And I'm, I'm going to come back to this whole thing about testing in just a little second. He doesn't use words to flatter. If you've got something that somebody wants, 
There could be a flatterer close by you because they want to get close enough to get what you have. People use words in very, very cunning ways. But he's talking about speaking to please God, not looking for words of praise. At the end of the day, when it comes to us, and we're talking about the model leader here, can I remind us that every person in here is a leader in some way, shape, or form? You might not think of yourself as a leader. You say, well, I'm not the person who stands up front and, and gives a sermon. That's maybe true. I'm not the person who leads a group or ministry. Well, that might be true. But each of us are leaders in our own right because leadership is influence. And where we have influence, we have leadership. That might be in our own family. It might be in our workplace. It might be in our street. It could be all sorts of places. Each one of us are in one way or shape or another, leaders. And Paul is saying here, we're not looking for praise. Not looking for praise from men, not from you or anyone else. That's quite a challenge. I wonder if we can say that. We're not looking for praise. That's quite difficult because we need encouragement, but do we need praise all the time? Encouraging and challenging thought. But the picture that I get here is a picture of somebody who's struggling. A picture of not struggling in a bad way, but wrestling is probably a better word. Wrestling and contending for the faith. Let me highlight some of the pictures that I see in here. There's a picture uh, of suffering and sharing the gospel. This whole picture of being motivated from a, a, a pure motivation. I see the integrity of the, both the message and the man when I look at Paul integrity in his words. There's a transparency. Transparency. There's a selflessness about Paul. There's a security in his call and who God has called him to be. That's why he doesn't need praise from other people, because he knows that God has called him. And if you're involved in church leadership, we need to understand our calling, because it's a calling that keeps us. And as I was preparing this message, I was reading in my devotional Nicky Gumbel said, a faith that, is not test, that has not been tested cannot be trusted. Think about that. <clears throat> a faith that has not been tested cannot be trusted. Interesting. What do we mean by that? And he goes on to say, we're tested by difficulties, disappointments, and desert times. If you're a person of faith, your faith will be tested by the circumstances that you're in. And the whole point of our faith being tested is that we come out the other side of that stronger, shinier, more equipped, and more able to do the things that God asks us to do. A faith that is not tested cannot be trusted. You could say to me, oh, well, if I was faced with such and such a temptation, I would be okay. Okay. Until we've faced the temptation and come out the other side of that temptation without yielding to the temptation, we don't know at that point if our faith can be trusted. It's only as we face the temptation, as we face the difficulty, and come out the other side, having stayed true to God, that we know that our faith can be tested and trusted. 
And the Bible talks about being faithful in the small things. There's a process. God always has us in process. And I'm going to keep saying this for the rest of my life because it's how it works. We don't suddenly arrive and become the finished article. God always has us in process. And our faith has been tested as we go along. And it should be growing as we go along. Not groaning as we go along. Think about the testing of Paul's faith. I'm going to read some things. I'm, just, I'm not going to read. I'm just going to summarize some things from 2 Corinthians chapter 11, where he talks about the things that he has had to endure as an apostle. Listen to this. He was in prison. He was flogged. He was exposed to death. He was whipped. He was beaten by rods. He was stoned. He was shipwrecked. He had time and sea, and he was always on the move. He was in danger from rivers, bandits, Jews, Gentiles, in the city, in the country, at sea, and from false Christians. He went without sleep. He had known hunger and thirst, and he'd went without food, and he'd known what it was to be freezing cold and naked. And not to mention, through all of this, his concern for the church. I'll read this list, and I think, my faith has not been tested yet, (laughs) because it's quite a list. And yet, all through this, Paul remained faithful to the message that he had to preach. But one of the other tests of leadership, and we might not think of this, and one of the great tests of a leader is not failure, but success. You ever thought about that? How do we deal with success? How do we deal with when it all goes right? Do we go, that was pretty good. That was, I did a good job there. That, that. I remember Peter Cochran standing here and speaking one year, and he started off by saying this in his message, if it all goes right, it'll be God. And if it all goes wrong, it's him as well. <laughs> in other words, it's nothing to do with me. And I just found that really interesting. How we deal with success as a leader is also vitally important. Do we take the glory for ourselves or does the glory go to God? Because at the end of the day, he's the one that's got us in process and is developing us. I spoke before about character being more important than gift. I came across this in my devotionals as well. General Norman Schwarzkopf, I don't know if you remember him, the commander of the coalition forces in the Gulf War in 91. You may remember him said this in his autobiography, leadership is a potent combination of strategy and character. But if you must be without one, be without strategy. Here is the man who led these forces into battle and knew that character was more important than strategy. Powerful, powerful words. In all of this, I see Paul as a faithful servant. Faithful in the difficult times, faithful when he was being blessed, faithful in every situation. Don't be too alarmed when your faith is being tested. It's the only way we can become strong as Christians is when our faith is tested. Everything needs to be tested. The second thing that I see in this passage is a gentle mother. Reading from verse 6, it says, as apostles of Christ, we could have been a burden to you, but we were gentle among you like a mother caring for her children. What an incredible picture. We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. Words not used in a negative way, words used in a gentle way. And the pictures that I see 
He's not a burden to anyone. And this whole picture of sharing your life, it's not just about sharing a message. It's about sharing your life. And there's a demand that's placed on leaders to be selfless. And that's not something that's particularly modeled well these days. As we look at the the society in which we live, as we turn on our TVs and as we watch the news or we listen to it on the radio, we do not see leadership being modeled well in our country. And the last few weeks have highlighted that again. We need to lead in a different way. The church needs to lead in a different way. We need to. We need to get a hold of this. This whole picture of this kind of motherly compassion and, and, and gentleness. I don't know how it works in your family. Um, in our family, mum is the more gentle one than dad. Um, maybe it's different in your family. But this whole picture of, of being gentle, of being caring, of, of sharing life, about this depth of feeling and empathy as, as we long for the other person. The church needs the mother figure, that pastoral arm around the shoulder. And I just want to ask the question, is gentleness a hallmark of your leadership? Whether it's how you lead in your family, how you lead in your workplace, how you lead in school, wherever you find yourself, how, how are you coming across? The third thing that I see here is an encouraging father, just moving swiftly on. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to read from verse 9, but not all the way through. It says, Surely you remember, brothers, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order to not be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believe. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom and glory. How are words used? Words are used to encourage. And the whole idea here is encouragement or exhortation. It's that whole idea of, of pulling you in. This is, this is the way. This is the way. Pulling you back in and getting you back on the right track. Encouraging you to comfort Words that bring comfort, we each need to hear that, to urge, to charge, to walk worthy of God. You know, this whole thing about walking worthy of God is so important. Paul is trying earnestly or persistently to persuade the Thessalonians to live their lives in a way that is worthy of the name Christian, a follower of Christ. And sometimes that involves correction as well. I was thinking about this. We'd no, there's not many of us like to have correction in our lives. Who likes to be corrected? When you make a mistake, yeah, and you need to be corrected, you say, actually, that, that was my fault. And, you know, I, I realize, you know, and, and sometimes we're not even aware that we've made a mistake. And, and somebody comes along and corrects us. And we go, I, I, I didn't even see that. It, it's, it's uncomfortable. But if we want to grow as Christians, we need to be open to correction. And, and part of that urging is, is bringing that correction as well. And the pictures that I see in here are about a person who's holy, 
righteous and blameless, hardworking, not a burden, an encourager, but encouraging the spiritual children to up their game. Listen to what the Proverbs says. When you humbly receive wise correction, it adorns your life with beauty and makes you a better person. Let's think about this for two seconds longer. The Bible says that a wise person loves to be corrected. Who wants to be a wise person? Do you want to be known as a wise person? I want to be known as a wise person. If I want to be a wise person, I need to be open to being corrected. Leadership is about that continual process of growth and correction. I have people who look in on my life, people who I am accountable to as a leader in my role in the church, who are open to bringing correction at any time. That, that there's an invitation. If you see something that's not right, speak into it. Please, please, please speak into it. And Paul goes on to say this. He says something slightly different to the church when he's writing to the church at Corinth. He says, even though you have 10,000 guardians in Christ, you, uh, sorry, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Star Wars reference. I am your father. Um, how, how are we working in the family of God? Are we eager to encourage comfort and at times correct? Is fatherly encouragement a hallmark of our leadership? Think about that. If you're in the family, in the workplace, wherever you find yourself, that ability to come and bring that fatherly leadership. And then the last thing is the loving brother. I'm going to read from verse 17. I'm not going to read the, the whole of the rest of the passage. I'm almost finished. But brothers... When we were torn away from you for a short time, in person, not in thought. Out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you. For we wanted to come to you. Certainly I, Paul did, again and again, but Satan opposed us. For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. Paul's not just an apostle. He's not just a teacher in the church. He's not just a leader. He refers to himself as a fellow brother time and time again. And it reminds me that leadership is not about them and us. That's not how leadership works. Leadership is about us. It's about us moving forward together. We are fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, not leaders who boss other people about. The Bible talks about lording it over other people. Paul put it this way, again writing to the Corinthians. He says in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1 verse 24, but that does not mean we want to dominate you by telling you how to put your faith into practice. That's not my job, to dominate you and to tell you how to put your faith into practice. We want to work together, he says, with you so you will be full of joy. Why? Because he says, for it is by your own faith that you stand firm. By your own faith that you stand firm. You can't stand firm on somebody else's faith. You can only stand firm in your own faith. 
And I see here words used to give thanks, words received as they were intended as words from God. I see a picture here of compassion, of an intense longing for fellowship. He uses that expression, being torn away from these people that he loves, but not in thought, always there in our thoughts. And it makes me think about the last 16 or so months that we've been through, and we've been torn away from each other in person. It's great that so many of us can be here in person, but we've been torn away from each other. And I don't know about you, I miss seeing people's faces. I miss those conversations. And hopefully there's something in me that comes across that there is a brotherly love. But that's not just for the leaders in the church. That's for each one of us because in a sense we're all leaders if you get my drift but there's always that opposition. What does it say? Satan stopped us. There was this opposition all the time to follow through with the things that he felt God was saying. Do you know, just some things that I notice in this passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I wonder if we can describe ourselves in these ways. A faithful servant. Can we describe ourselves as being faithful servants? Even when things are going wrong, even when our faith is being tested, are we faithful servants? Are we gentle mothers? You know what I'm saying by that. I'm not the mum in the family, okay? I am the dad in the family. But I can demonstrate, display the qualities of motherhood. Are we an encouraging father? And again, the same thing applies. Are we coming alongside people to help them, correct them sometimes, urge, push on and say, you can do this, you've got it, you can succeed? Are we fellow loving brothers and sisters? Do we relate to each other that way? And in the church, the church should be a model of people who relate in that way where there's love one for another. What does the Bible say? By this shall all people know that you're my disciples, if you have love one for another. Love. And so many times, it all comes back down to that. It comes back down to, do we really love each other? Do we really love each other? And if we do love each other, we will demonstrate that through what we say and through what we do, through words and through pictures. We are the picture. We are the representation. Paul says of each one of us, you are a letter written from God that other people in your family, in your workplace, in your street, in your neighborhood, wherever you have influence, you are God's letter. Are you being a model leader? Let's just pray as we finish off today. Father, we thank you for your presence in our lives. And Lord, we want to be everything that you call us to be. And Father, we we know that we can't do this in our own strength. Lord, we know that we need you in us to to do these things. It's uh, It's not about might. It's not about being gifted. It's not about being powerful. It's not about being smart. Father, it's about being surrendered to you and allowing you access into our lives. And so, Father, we pray that you would come in in ever-increasing ways, that you would fill us, that you would flood our lives with your presence, and, Lord, that you would cause us to live 
the way that you want us to be, a model church with model leaders. Father, we just pray that you take us deeper into the things which you have for us. And maybe there are some people today and you have never made a decision to become a Christian. You've, you've not made that decision yet. You've been thinking about that decision and you've not yet come to the place of fully committing to that decision, to surrendering your life to God and asking him to come in and to live in you through his spirit. And I want to give you that opportunity to do that today by saying a prayer. You can say it into yourself. You don't need to say it out loud, but God knows your heart. But you need to tell somebody that you've done it. And so let's just pray. Dear God, I recognize that I've been putting this decision off for a long time. But I ask that you would come in. I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that he died for my sin. I pray that you would forgive me. I pray that you would make me clean. I pray that you'd come in to heal me. To heal me of the hurts from the past. To make me new. To give me a new life in Jesus. And in Jesus' name I ask. Amen. And if you've prayed that prayer, let somebody know because people want to get alongside you and encourage you. I'm just going to say one prayer uh, for the congregation before we depart um, and, and, uh, and, and just commit us to God for this week. Father, we, 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 we know that there are so many things going on just now in our hearts and in our lives, in our church, in our communities, in our families. Father, so many things where we, we just want to see you come and demonstrate your power demonstrate your presence, demonstrate your goodness. And so, Father, we just yield to you this morning and we ask that you would come by your Spirit and that you would live and breathe and move in us. Father, that you would demonstrate your presence in us in the situations that we find ourselves. Lord, may we be the people who share your words and that, Father, uh, our lives would be uh, that written letter from you to others. Lord, for some people, we are the only contact they will have with you in that sense. And so, Father, we pray, help us to be faithful to the things which you lay in our hearts as we listen to you. Give us boldness to share your words, we ask. And, Father, we pray also that you would just stretch out your hand to heal. And, Father, that you do incredible things, miracles and signs. Father, that you would demonstrate your presence in each of our lives. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you and have a great week. And uh, if you're needing anything in between, don't hesitate to give us a shout. Okay.